Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Naturopathic Times podcast. If you are new to our show, this is an interview podcast that bridges the gap between naturopathic philosophy and common day practice. I am your host, Katerina Meister. And I'm your co-host, Stephanie Yacopedia. And as a final reminder, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share with someone you know. On to the show. Today's guest is a licensed naturopathic doctor who focuses on holistic hormone health, hormone testing, regenerative medicine, and as well as pe- peptide therapy. Please welcome our guest, Dr. Amber Krogsrud. Thank you for having me. This is awesome that you are both doing this already before your your doctors. This is the best possible thing. Yeah. Yeah, of course. We wanted to help spread the message and you know, get practice with talking to people about naturopathic medicine. Please tell our guests and a little bit about yourself and how you came to find naturopathic medicine. Yeah, so I would say my journey in to find naturopathic medicine uh, started when I was a kid. Uh, I did have, I had some health issues and I grew up in a small town where we didn't really have alternative medicine or naturopathic doctors at the time. And I grew up with eczema. So I had uh, like really itchy, allergic skin and a lot of food sensitivities and didn't really know what was going on and how it was related to my gut at the time. Went to dermatologists and you know, got prescribed cortisone cream and nobody could really give me an answer as to why that was happening and what was happening in my gut. And that that had resolved um, until later on in life. But my, my exploration of holistic health and medicine really started in high school and I started podcasting a lot and taking biology and chemistry and learning about uh, how carbohydrates and fats Uh, you know, break down in the body and what happens with the metabolism of those. And I remember changing my diet from a lot of the books I was reading and the podcasts I was listening to and seeing changes in my energy. And then also uh, I used to tutor at a couple universities. So I would tutor students that were struggling in their classes. And I remember seeing very early on at a young age, about 19, that Uh, There was this connection between nutrition and cognition, so the Mm -hmm. ability to learn. And that kind of really started this process of thinking, man, wow, you know, all of the things that we put in our body really do impact our life and our brain function and our energy and our mood. And so I knew that I wanted to pursue uh, helping people, teaching uh, people how to uh, create these habits of health so that they could uh, experience what I had experienced when I changed my diet and, and a lot of those things. And so uh, at that young age, I was doing a lot of biology and chemistry. I went pre-med. I was going to be an MD. Uh, and then I had job shadowed several docs uh, in their clinical settings. And the several experiences that I had really uh, you know, I got to see these doctors with amazing hearts that were in it for the right reasons, but they were really in a system that prevented them from spending uh, lots of quality time with their patient, hearing their backstory. And they were very limited to the number of treatments, the types of treatments that they could use. And there was these, you know, 15 minute appointments, people would come in on six medications and leave on a seventh uh, pretty quickly. And 
I just thought, man, I really want to help people regenerate their health. And that word was really powerful for me. And I thought, man, where, where can I participate and where can I be a part of the change in helping patients to really regenerate their health? And so I thought, man, I can't see myself doing the 15 minute appointment MD route. Uh, and so shortly thereafter, I heard about naturopathic medicine on a podcast from a guy named Sean Croxton. He had a podcast called Underground Wellness for a while. That was really <laughs> popular, uh, probably about four years ago. And he lives in San Diego and he was really, he just raved about naturopathic medicine and how you know these doctors spend quality time with their patients, getting to know their their health concerns. They look for the root cause. They really address nutrition and botanical medicine. And if you're passionate about uh, all of these things that this would be an amazing career opportunity. And so, yeah, I uh, applied to the school. I was almost done with my pre-med uh, requisites and I got accepted into the program in Seattle for naturopathic medicine and then finished my uh, my schooling in San Diego, had a great experience, phenomenal education, definitely challenging, but I am so grateful that I I took a route now I love what I do I feel so rewarded and I know that um, you know I truly do get to help patients regenerate their health yeah we know that you do a lot with like digging deeper as far as like hormone testing and we're curious you know what that kind of looks like and like is it just the female population that you work with most now or is it like both genders or how does that look like for your, your practice yeah. now? Uh, so I would say um, I do work with both men and women, but the work that I do with women is more specific to hormone testing. And that would involve, usually I run a Dutch test. Uh, we could talk about what that is and how that's different, but hormone testing, we'll look at thyroid, we'll look at gut health so we can run a stool panel and really assess all of those different uh, aspects of the body, systems of the body, um, because they all really impact each other. You know, we know that digestion really impacts our ability to get rid of estrogen and metabolize that, get that out of the body. So, uh, assessing liver function is really important when we're talking about hormones. And uh, yeah, so I work with a lot of women specifically on hormones. The peptide therapy that I offer in my practice, I do see about 50-50 men and women. There are quite a few men that reach out about that therapy option as well. But the hormone testing is mostly women. So with um, the Dutch test and testing hormones, when in your personal patient population, when do you decide to order this Dutch test? Yeah. So anytime there are some hormone related symptoms, oftentimes in women who are uh, perimenopausal or about to go through menopause, we will order that to get a, uh, to find out where they're at. Is their, their body still producing those hormones and where are they at in the process? Uh, we can also run that test if a woman uh, is getting off of birth control. So she's transitioning off of a oral birth control pill or a Mirena or any other sort of birth control. It can be a really helpful gauge just to see where she's at. If she's having a lot of severe PMS, migraines, cramping, 
severe periods, heavy bleeding, uh, any sort of hormone-related symptoms is a, a good indicator to look at what's what's happening on that Dutch test. And the one thing I love about the Dutch test that it tells us that a blood test just simply cannot is about liver detox of estrogen. Mm-hmm. That's so important to know, especially for a woman who's 50 or 60 and her risk of, uh, especially 40 and 50 age, mm-hmm. uh, women are predisposed to some of these estrogen-related cancers. And so we can see not only if they have high estrogen, but is their body detoxing that estrogen well. So it's really uh, preventative and helps us look at risk factors for the development of some of those cancers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for the detox part of it, why can't we see that in a blood test? And then how are we seeing that in the urine test? Yeah, good question. So a blood test typically will run uh, fairly basic markers. And it's on a, we get one uh, reading of it. So we'll look at LH and FSH, and those are the signals from the brain uh, to the sex organs to produce those hormones. And with the Dutch test, uh, we look at metabolites. So we not only look at testosterone, but we look at the breakdown products. We look at progesterone, but we look at the breakdown products. And then we look at estrogen and we can see all the different types of estrogen. So a regular blood test will usually just tell you estradiol, E2, which is the main estrogen that's working in uh, women who are still menstruating. And the Dutch test will tell you E1, E2, E3. E1 often found in uh, women who are postmenopausal, E3 higher in women who are pregnant. E2, of course, is the main player doing all the work for most young women. So... And then we can see all the breakdown products of that, what's happening in the liver to detox that. Uh, we can look at methylation, which plays a huge role in women with chronic depression. We can see if their liver is detoxing well on that, what we call a methylation pathway. And that, you know, really, we can get into genetics when we start talking methylation. But essentially, if a woman has a lifelong uh, anxiety or depression, we can find a lot of solutions to what might help her on that Dutch test. And you just simply don't find that on a blood test. Yeah, it's really interesting. And you can also, so the Dutch test, it's several uh, samples a year and throughout the day, correct? So you're seeing the whole day's worth of hormones. Yeah, it's a really robust test for the price point because we also get cortisol levels. And then we get that four-point cortisol test. So you could do that via saliva. You can do that via urine. And we get all the metabolites. But the cortisol is really, really valuable for a woman to know those levels because it it tells us what her circadian rhythm is. It tells us potentially why she might not be sleeping or when she's experiencing a lot of stress. We know that that constant cortisol release can really... um, cause other issues in the body over time when it's chronically produced. And so uh, assessing her adrenal function, which can impact her thyroid function and all of her other sex hormones, that's a really, really key piece to the Dutch test is understanding a woman's stress because that's a precursor to a lot of other issues if we can help her deal with stress well. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, stress throws everything off. I actually just got a Dutch test done for myself and it told me so much about my health. And I was really impressed by it actually, because it really hits every it hits everything. Um, it does. Yeah. 
And so yeah. you're talking about um, detoxing estrogen and why that's so important. Can you talk a little bit about the symptoms of having really high estrogen and why it's unfavorable for women to have that in their body? Yeah, absolutely. So the term that we often use in medicine for that is estrogen dominance. So a lot more estrogen than progesterone. And there's a lot of potential symptoms, uh, but oftentimes we can find high estrogen. It's Estrogen is a, a fat storage hormone. Uh, so it can contribute to weight gain. It can contribute to fibroids. It can contribute to really heavy periods. Um, it can also, in women who are not detoxing it well, if we have the wrong forms of estrogen, it can lead to that risk, higher risk of uh, estrogen-related cancers like breast cancer and endometrial cancer. Um, we also think about like environmental exposures to what we call xenoestrogens found in plastics. Those xenoestrogens bind to the estrogen receptor and can mimic what estrogen does in the body. So the body reads it as, wow, we have a lot of estrogen around. Um, and so, yeah, it can result in uh, severe periods, uh, sometimes related to migraines, but a lot of PMS symptoms, cramping, bloating, um, more of that tender breast tissue around periods. So uh, we usually can see in a woman's symptoms, if she does have high estrogen, the Dutch test is a, a confirming piece. We look at labs and symptoms and really pair those. Yeah. And um, what about hormonal acne, hormonal like adult acne? Because I know that's such a huge area of importance for women. And they're like, why do I still have acne? I'm in my 20s. I'm in my 30s. What's going on? Yes, that's a huge one that I see. And a lot of times that is because of the poor uh, detox in the liver, but we think about like that jawline acne that a lot, a lot of women experience um, as related to hormones. We think about insulin sensitivity and, and high testosterone levels that we see in PCOS can often cause like breakouts on the cheeks, um, the forehead, uh, and those oil glands will be overproducing, but very much related to hormones, oftentimes that high estrogen, low progesterone picture where we have that estrogen dominance or in the case of PCOS, high testosterone, right, can trigger that acne mm -hmm. uh, or hair thinning. And we can also find markers on the Dutch test that relate to that, that tell us, oh, no wonder your hair is thinning. Right. Uh, we can find that. Yeah. So when people are coming into your office and coming to see you, are they relating this to their stress and possibly their stress causing, you know, hormone imbalance? Or are they even aware that they could be having a hormone imbalance? Not all the time do they think it's associated with hormone balance, but most of the women that I see have uh, issues around periods or okay. the one interesting thing is migraines could be very related to hormones. And a lot of times we don't make that connection. There's a lot of contributing factors to to migraines, but one of them can be that estrogen progesterone ratio. So uh, sometimes there's symptoms like anxiety and depression that don't seem related to these hormones, like estrogen, progesterone. Progesterone is mm -hmm. that calming hormone. It helps us make GABA, which is that relaxing neurotransmitter. Okay. So low levels of progesterone can manifest in anxiety and a lot of women don't really think their anxiety is related to their their uh, 
cycles or their progesterone estrogen ratio, but it really can be. Wow. So that kind of leads into what we want to talk to you next is like birth control and how that impacts women's health going on it and after it. Yeah. And I do run a lot of testing post birth control or talk about other options. Uh, You know, it's very individualized for the woman, what she wants to use for birth control. And so we do run through the options. Um, I, in my experience, most women on the oral birth control pill end up experiencing more symptoms uh, once they get off it and oftentimes while they're on it because of the fact that it depletes so many of these essential nutrients in the body. A lot of our B vitamins like uh, B2, riboflavin, B6, B12, we need all of those B vitamins in order to make neurotransmitters and in order to help our adrenal function. So if the birth control is stealing those, you can see how fatigue could be a thing, our adrenals are functioning less effectively. We're not making potentially as many of those neurotransmitters. We find a lot of times depression linked to the pill, mood changes. Mm-hmm. That's why uh, folic acid B9, which is really important for women as they want to conceive, oftentimes will add in uh, folate, uh, methylfolate, the active form of folate. And you want to work with your doctor to find all of the active forms of those those methylated forms we give. Uh, vitamin C, magnesium, those are other ones that are really depleted by the pill, right? Vitamin C, we need to make healthy skin and collagen. So for, if anything, as women, we, right. we don't want to deplete our, our vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Um, for immune function, we need vitamin C. Magnesium helps the liver to detox, so... The birth control not only can add in more of a load to detox in the liver, uh, but it can rob the magnesium that mm. we need in the liver to detox. So that's a double trouble. And yeah, it, a lot of the nutrient depletions will show up in symptoms for women. Zinc depletes zinc, and that's a huge one we know right now with viral infections and preventing viral infections. So, uh, you know, Taking a woman off of the pill, we can find other alternatives to uh, something like oral birth control, but often we'll test and find out where she is after she uh, gets off of the pill and then add in a lot of those nutrients that have been depleted as well. Well, women are on the pill. Do you also test to see for what she's currently depleted in? And then how do you support the body when she's currently on birth control? Yeah, so Vibrant America has this awesome micronutrient panel that can give you all of the uh, intracellular, so inside the cell and extracellular outside the cell uh, values for some of these nutrients. And so you can get a really good gauge on is she depleted, especially those B vitamins are so critical. Women, oh my gosh, sometimes we just add in something like B vitamins and electrolytes in the morning, electrolytes for the adrenals, and that's just a game changer Mm. for a lot of women for energy. So yeah, we'll often run a micronutrient panel. We can see it on there. Uh, You can also run, and I do this for a lot of women, is we'll run a Dutch test and we'll run a stool panel. And the stool panel can really tell us, is there some intestinal permeability happening? And if that is the case, then often there's some compromised nutrient absorption. 
that's happening there too. And so we're looking at how can we not only heal that gut lining, but how can we add in those nutrients in a way that she's going to absorb them effectively? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's we've been learning a lot in school about, you know, birth control options and how we can best support a woman on birth control. And just like you have already mentioned, um, is there some birth control options that you, you know, might say is like your preference for like women to be on or like where's your stance on that as far as like alternative options for birth control yeah so there's definitely more options than there used to be uh there's something called there's a lot of there's an app it's called natural cycles where a woman can track her her menstrual cycle um and there's another tool that you can use it's called daisy d-a-y-s-y for any woman who wants to go look that up but it's uh essentially a little device and it'll tell you uh you can check like your basal body temperature and it'll give you a red light a green light or an orange light based on where you are in your cycle and whether you are fertile or not and so instead of uh, medicating a woman with birth control 30 days a month when she's only really fertile for less than five or seven of them. Uh, we can really just know when that window is and uh, use protection or use other methods to prevent pregnancy if she does want to uh, have sex during that period. So there's lots of other options than being on the pill. Uh, that you can use to track your cycle and really for women this becomes about being aware of your cycle again because now you're you know when you're fertile and you're looking for those signs that you're fertile and you're tracking it oftentimes on an app so a lot of times with women if they aren't tracking their cycles uh, we make that a regular practice for them Mm -hmm. yeah it's so interesting to me that there isn't more of a conversation around like what birth control does to your body. I feel like it's given out like candy sometimes. And it's just like this prevents pregnancy or this is going to help with your acne or whatever. And there's really no discussion on the physiology. Like girls should be more educated on it. There should be more of a conversation about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's really the gift that we get to provide to the world because as Desiree doctor's teacher, Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of women just don't know what they are doing to their body when they're taking it. And so, you know, Dr. Brighton is in a phenomenal job at putting information out there in the world. And I also feel like, you know, one person is enough to to inform everybody. So I, I feel like that's a part of my work in the world, too, is to have these conversations one on one and, um, you know, get the word out, explaining there are other ways than being on the pill. And we don't have to medicate women to prevent them from uh, having a, a baby. And we really are concerned about her overall health, hormone right. health. Uh, yeah. And, and not just, um, you know, putting a Band-Aid over the acne or trying to get rid of certain symptoms. So the other piece I will say about birth control that I often see is if a woman is on other medications like anti-anxiety medications, anti-depression medications, uh, she's consuming alcohol, and she's on birth control, those are all, or even antihistamine medication, those are all taxes on the liver. And so that usually results in more severe symptoms. The more things you stack onto the pile, and oral birth control is just one of the medications, 
Um, we see a lot more severe mood changes, liver detox issues. Uh, yeah, more severe outcomes, if that's the case. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it comes back to liver function. So talk to us about peptide therapy and, you know, this is like a new natural therapy for autoimmunity, weight loss, and brain function. Tell us, our listeners, a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is a newer therapy. There are still a lot of doctors and patients who aren't aware of it. Um, but you can become trained as a practitioner. I was trained through A4M, the Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, in peptide therapy. And essentially what it is, is peptides, uh, as we learned in med school and probably before that, uh, we have proteins, and then we have peptides, and then we have amino acids. The amino acids are kind of the individual subunits, or you can think about like boxcars in the train, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. once we combine different combinations, we get a peptide. Peptide is usually less than 50 amino acid segments in length. Protein is usually more than 50. There are exceptions to that rule, but in terms of classification, but mostly less than 50 amino acid segments. And what peptides do in the body is they're similar to hormones in the sense that they signal the body to do certain, uh, to produce certain hormones, to uh, create certain signal signaling molecules. So we have, uh, because we know what some of these pathways are, we can give somebody a therapeutic peptide uh, that can help increase their body's production of something that it already knows how to make, but hasn't been making as effectively. And the perfect example of this and where I use this in practice with a lot of my women is in autoimmunity. So what happens uh, for women, especially, uh, we have this thymus gland, which is like right behind the sternum. And when you're five or six, your thymus gland is working full speed, full capacity. You get sick, you get really sick, and then you get better. You, uh, If you get a cut, you heal really fast. Your thymus gland is just uh, working at, at max capacity. And what happens as you age is it slowly tanks, and that thymus gland just shrinks. And it shrinks to about one-sixth of the size that it was when you were young by the age of 60. So at 60, we have substantially uh, less thymus function. Our thymus gland is our immune <laughs> response, right? So it's really relevant right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have these thymus peptides that our body produces. One of them is called thymusin alpha, and one of them is called thymusin beta. And these are really uh, responsible for the signaling of repair and of immune function of T cells and B cells. And so for women with autoimmunity, and we've researched this. There's actually literature about the levels of thymus and alpha in individuals with certain autoimmune conditions are substantially lower. And so what we do is we can introduce a therapy where uh, it's an injectable form of thymus and alpha. And it, it sends a message to the body, says, hey, thymus gland, wake up, start making some of that immune regulation peptide again, and the body will do that. And so what we can uh, see with that is balancing of the Th1, Th2, so that immune system. We have kind of like a teeter-totter. We want them to be balanced. We don't want to throw the body in one way or the other. And we certainly don't want to attack cells, right? Mm -hmm. We want our body to, we want to have immune function 
to attack viruses and pathogens and bacteria, but we don't want to attack our thyroid, our gut, or any other tissue in our body. And so thymus and alpha is really an amazing immune regulator. And introducing that, uh, I have some awesome patient stories, anecdotal stories of people who have noticed changes in pain and energy in um, changes in skin. I've used this in women with food sensitivities and severe allergies, um, fighting off viral infections, bacterial infections. Uh, thymus and alpha is really a powerful immune peptide. And thymus and, thymus and beta is really specific for repair and recovery, thinking about muscle tissue. Uh, I use that in a post-surgery protocol. So we can uh, add in a signal to help the body to repair and recover better as we age. So is this like a muscle injection or, um, and also is the peptides synthetic or how are they made? Yeah, so they're made in a compounding pharmacy. Uh, they are synthetic, but they, they're bioidentical. So similar to the way that a bioidentical hormone is made in a compounding pharmacy, peptides are the same way. And so your body recognizes it. When it gets the injection, your body says, hey, I recognize this. I know what this is. I, I remember this. I just haven't been making it mm. appropriately. So it isn't, many of them are also, there's all sorts of forms. We do have some that are in capsule form, uh, very few, but one of them is called BPC-157. It's a gut peptide. It uh, helps to heal that mucosal lining in leaky gut and IBS and IBD and acid reflux, anybody on a PPI or a proton pump inhibitor, I use that one. Uh, and it is one of the more successful therapies I use for leaky gut. It, it works better than a lot of other things that I've used. Uh, so our body makes that naturally, but oftentimes it'll decrease with age and with environmental exposures and chronic disease. So, uh, there's also, we have like hair loss protocols. So we have foams and different peptides we can apply topically and use with PRP. Hmm. We have certain ones that help with collagen production in the skin. So there's really an aesthetic component. And then there's a, uh, I use it in athletes for performance, for energy, for building muscle mass. And then we also use it in chronic illness. I have mycotoxin patients who benefit so dramatically from some of these peptides. So there's a, a lot of possible uses. That's really cool. So these are all like yeah. strengthening certain pathways in the body for like really whatever your issue is. Yeah. Like for almost any organ system, it sounds like. Yep. We have peptides for the brain, for the muscles, uh, for neurological issues. I have a patient with a spinal cord injury we've used to help kind of reawaken some of those. Uh, synapses. So there's there's all sorts of uses, but yeah, the, it's very specific to their health condition and what system is affected. Are these this? So I see peptides in topical skincare products all the time. Is this the mm -hmm. same thing? And can you use it topically to the same effect? Great question. Yeah, that's probably where most people have heard about peptides is either their collagen peptides or their skin product. <laughs> many times, uh, the skincare products will have something called GHKCU, which is a copper peptide. And that one, copper is a really important uh, nutrient, micronutrient that we need to make collagen. 
And so when it's bound to three different amino acids, the GHK, and then the CU stands for copper, it will uh, help to signal the skin to make more of that healthy collagen again. Um, and it can also signal like glycosaminoglycans and a lot of the other building blocks of skin. And so, yes, there are certain skin products who do have that one peptide, that GHKCU in them. Uh, there's different forms that will compound. So we can add GHKCU to something else that we use for collagen synthesis. It's another peptide or another peptide that we use for hair regrowth, awakening the stem cell uh, in, the, in the hair follicle, for using it for hair regeneration. But this is, this is different in the sense that, uh, like when we eat a piece of protein for lunch, we do get amino acids and we do get peptides. But the peptides that we're using medically and therapeutically are a different combination than what you might get in a food per se. So mm -hmm. there's different combinations of amino acids like thymus and alpha. We can, there's no food that we can consume to help our body to make that. Mm -hmm. However, we can inject the uh, bioidentical form that our body recognizes and uh, help our body to produce more of that immune regulation. So that's the difference. It's not necessarily that we can get them through food sources alone. And do they have to be injected to the site that they normally would be produced? So like the thymus gland, they'd have to be injected there or would it? No. So these go systemic. That's what's really interesting about them. Uh, the perfect example of that is there is a, a peptide that I use in uh, mycotoxin patients that will boost this level called alpha MSH, alpha melanocyte stimulating hormone. And it makes you tan. Hmm. It makes you look like you have a healthy glow. Wow. Like, yeah. And a lot of patients with mycotoxin exposure will have really low levels of that alpha MSH. And so that, that peptide will improve that and also improve energy and a lot of other, it protects the brain. It immune, it's immune modulator. It has lots of other benefits, but uh, when you inject that specific peptide, it doesn't make, we inject it into the abdomen, into the fat tissue, and it's not just your abdomen that gets tan. It's your whole body from head to toe. <laughs> wow. No tan lines. What? Yeah. Wow. So is this so, a new natural tan or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is, this is the <laughs> yeah. There are, there are no tanning beds. Yeah. And I, there's a, a fair number of my uh, female clients, people who are competing uh, in fitness, they're uh, modeling or they have to be photo shoot ready all the time. They'll use something like this peptide and it can be dosed really, really small amounts if the goal is immune function. It just depends on what we're using it for. Um, but it's it's a popular one among a lot of bodybuilders and, and women in fitness. Does it um, darken any dark spots already, though? That would be my one concern. Okay. That is one of the side effects, yep. It's mm -hmm. contraindicated in anybody with melanoma. Um, it's actually been researched and shown to provide UV protection in the sense that the more sunburns that you get, the more likely you are to get a melanoma or a skin cancer. But I've used it, um, and I've been in LA, and the sun is, you know, out year round, similar with 
San Diego and I can be outside for long periods of time and not burn wow. um, because it provides that that melanin in the skin that's like an internal sunscreen essentially so there's a really you want to work with the doctor and you want to dose it appropriately um, there are certain things to be aware of but it's it actually does prevent you from burning in the sun Hmm. So is this what's in those, um, like oral sunscreens? I'm like, Mm, I don't know. You can take, you can take, uh, a fragment. So we have different like peptide segments. There's one called KPV that you can take as a capsule. And that one's phenomenal for gut health, uh, IBD patients, Crohn's colitis, but it doesn't have the same protective effect on the skin the that's the only one that i can think of that's related to that melanotan peptide Mm -hmm. Uh, but it doesn't tan the skin it just has the segment that's immunomodulating and helps to modulate the immune system so i don't i don't actually know so we talk about the therapeutic order a lot on our show and you know where would you see these peptide um therapy and you know hormone testing where would you see that on that scale of uh treating someone yeah so peptides generally are not uh a first level thing that we do i will usually run a stool panel run a hormone test we balance hormones it depends on the severity of the situation if the person is very chronically ill and they're coming to me after they've seen a nutritionist and other doctors and they've done all these therapies. Um, they've been on intensive medications. Um, they've done, you know, they're on every supplement possible that they could have tried. A lot of times we'll look at some of the peptide therapy options um, because those are something that often move the needle when nothing else has. And so I would say they are a higher level intervention for for somebody coming to me with no um, experience in natural medicine, we're going to start at pillar one. Right. And we're going to run those hormones, the hormone testing. We're going to really balance what's happening there. Obviously you can't, the peptides don't supplement for a poor diet and poor sleep. They do not replace that at all. And I have a couple of patients who will tell you that, that they live that, you know, will sometimes be pushed to the edge with work and they do not make up for, uh, poor lifestyle habits, but they are adjunctively helpful, especially for chronic illness patients. Yeah, I think that's good mm-hmm. to bring up just because a lot of these treatments can look very like appealing and sexy, and it really does come back down to the basics, but you are treating more severe pathology, uh, it sounds like, or more chronic illness, so that would make sense why you would start at a higher intervention. Yeah, it really depends on some people have a practitioner that they they've already done all of the hormone testing with and they literally just come to see me about peptides Mm -hmm. uh, and they have somebody to manage everything else that's that happens from time to time there are also patients who come to see me for everything so we'll do the gut test we'll do the stool panel we'll assess what what are some other options in the peptide world that could help here Uh, there are a couple peptides that are very specific for hormones uh, for boosting natural production of testosterone in men and uh, helping with fertility in women. There's some awesome ones that are great for that, for women with PCOS. So 
there are options in that world, but of course there's so many, there's so many factors um, to consider. And usually we have a combination of, of multiple things. So diet, lifestyle, sleep, adrenal health, uh, assessing their thyroid function, adding in a peptide that can help them sleep deeper, something like that, that really contributes to our overall goal. Right. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I have learned so much and um, I'm really interested to learn more about peptide therapy. That's something new that I haven't learned about yet. And uh, we're curious to know what's coming up for you in the new year. Yes. So lots of things are happening. Actually, I just brought on a health coach to really work with me in my practice. Uh, her name's Abby. She's awesome. And uh, we're building out a course that's going to be really a life transforming uh habit stacking type of course for women. So it's a lot of the the pillars, the things that I had spent time in visits talking to women about in terms of nutrients needed for thyroid and sleep and mood and really pillars for hormone health. And so that course launches January 11th, and that's going to be live run with me. So they have access to me, they have access to Coach Abby, they get accountability. We're going to be doing a lot of habit stacking for week to week to really solidify uh, some of these habits. And that can be from like taking plastics out to uh, certain dietary practices. So, so yeah, that launches the beginning of the year. It's very specific for women's hormone health. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to be able to do something from home and you're like, I, the price point of seeing a naturopathic doctor is it's more expensive. This is a way to really get accountability and be in a group of women who are all working towards the same goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That can be then, yeah. 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 Huge. Yeah. What we've done in medicine is we've, we've made it very isolating where the patient just visits with their doctor. And oftentimes we are scared to talk about our, our health condition and that we're missing out on this huge uh, therapeutic piece, which is community and, and working uh, with people who also have the same challenge. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's launching in January. And then um, I'm always working with patients on peptides, on hormone testing individually. Um, and that will be at the start of the year. I think we're also going to see if we can include a Dutch test oh, with nice. that experience. So, that'll be awesome. I'm excited to check that out. Well, thank you for joining us today, Dr. Amber, and sharing your story and everything you showed us today. You can find Dr. Amber online at www.dramberND.com, and that is D-R-A-M-B-E-R-N-D.com, or on Instagram at Dr. Amber ND, and you can also download her free peptide playbook, um, where you can get a free peptide PDF, and that is peptideplaybook.com, that is P-E-P-T-I-D-E playbook. And before we close the show, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, comment, rate, and most of all, share with someone you know. Thank you, Dr. Amber, for coming today. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.